This is episode 16 of the Saints Edified podcast. This is your host, Arturo, and I want to thank you once again for tuning in. On this episode, we continue our discussion with Nick Dirks from Arcs of Bull Rushes. It's a pro-life ministry. If you haven't done so already, please go and follow them on Facebook. I have a link in the description for your convenience. And if you haven't listened to the first part of our discussion, I highly recommend it, especially if you're interested in some resources, uh, some recommendations, a few names that you can look up on YouTube and on Facebook that will help you. Uh, Nick covers quite a, quite a bit in the first episode, so I highly recommend that. And if you found this discussion useful and helpful, please feel free to give us a good rating and also uh, to share the episode with your friends and family. All right, friends. Well, enjoy. gave them my criticism on that i basically told them i said what are you doing i said you're you're poisoning the well oh, wow. so why, why would you do that yeah. you know what what are you doing you have a room full of christians and you're you let someone come and and you endorse it on on top of it you let someone come and give something so so against our worldview yeah so i got in a discussion with her and it turned in basically what ended up we ended up ending out was a discussion on morality you know because you know this person brought up you know they said well we have lots of atheists and non-Christian people in the pro-life fight, and they do a lot of good. I said, I agree. He said, well, why would you want to go against them and not want them to be in this? I said, well, I'm not against their efforts and what they do. The problem is, is that they're limited. I said, if their argument is based on, is without a moral argument, then what happens when you're faced with the person that gives you the argument that says, the unborn is undoubtedly human, Mm-hmm. The unborn is undoubtedly a person, but there's nothing wrong with killing them. <laughs> it says, well, what, what do you do? It says, if you throw morality out of it in the moral argument, you know, what are you left with? How do you answer that person? Right, right. Now, now you're just butting heads yes. with, the, with subjective morality. Yes. You're saying, well, I think it's wrong. Yeah. Well, I think it's right. Right. So, I mean, you're limited. It's And especially as, as Christians, when we actually present the law, when we're out there, um, and actually in general, when we present the law, it should always follow that we... We present the gospel as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a principle that we, that just as Christians, that we have, you know. And for one, yeah, we can't, we can't just leave God's law out of it, like mm-hmm. you're saying. That's that's where we stand on. That's our foundation uh, to what's right and what's wrong. And then that should follow naturally the gospel. Right. You know, right. It's, it's almost as if like when we evangelize anywhere else, we we, we know that's true, law and gospel, right? But when we're out, when we're out there at the abortion clinics or talking about abortion in general, no, well, just leave the gospel out and leave the commandments out. Try to reason with without it, you know. Right, right. And uh, you know, if you just present the gospel, I mean the the law, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you left someone without hope. You know, right. you just you just condemn them. They know they're doing wrong, but now you're what's next? Right. We it should follow naturally the gospel. Now people present arguments. You know, uh, the times I've been out there, people yell at me or uh, or try to take my phone. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was great. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> we, um, get, we get a lot of uh, drive by, right? Yeah, drive by <laughs> yelling and drive yeah. by uh, drive by middle fingers. Yeah, 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 and and sometimes <laughs> people might come and try to discourage us from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to read one passage. I mean, like now, I think we're gonna get into some of the the good stuff as far as like the arguments go, right? But before that, let's just read this passage, Second um, Corinthians. Chapter 10, starting at verse 4, says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. 
and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. This whole idea of we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, I, I, think, I think that right there actually spits in the face of those Christians who don't want conflict, who just want to have peace with everyone, um, never mention how abortion is murder, you know, and just, I mean, the sad thing, the sad reality is that, I mean, I know this for a fact, actually, a lot of people within a church have had abortions mm-hmm. while being in mm-hmm. church, you know. I'm always surprised uh, when, when I talk about these things. A lot of times women, I can tell by the phrase now, it's, it's become that frequent. I, as I'm talking about it, they won't look at me. And they're kind of looking down, and they're nodding their head as an agreement. And at the end, they admit, they confess, like, you know, I, I had an abortion. And this was early on, you know, and it's typically early on in their Christian walk or while they're in church. And I'm just thinking, I was, I, was like, I was like, did anyone tell you? Did anyone tell you that it's a sin? And, or that, it, you know, and then what they do is they hear from, from, the, from the experts, you know, air quotes, experts, and they say that, no, well, it's not really human. It's not really a life. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to get into those arguments in a little bit. We're, we're called to destroy these arguments and these lofty opinions that are raised against the knowledge of God, um, especially when we're out there evangelizing. You know, just like you mentioned, even people that are, you know, Christians that, that have had abortions, even while being a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the gospel in their lives that leads them to the repentance that they do have uh-huh. with that, right? And not only that, but just to add on to it. And I'm not just talking about the women, the Christian women, our sisters mm-hmm. who had abortions in the past, but also men who drove their friends to the abortion plant. I've been told Absolutely. that as well. And at times when I, when I talk about these things, they give me the same look. They won't look at me. And then they admit to me afterwards, like, did I do something wrong? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, you did. You know, but look to Christ. <laughs> you know, turn, you know, like, right. ha, ha, don't, 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 don't place your hope in, in how much you can do for the pro-life ministry. Put your hope, all your hope in Christ. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and Christ died for that sin. Right. You know, and, and you're free. You're free right. now. You know, you're... I mean, we're dealing with um, just people dead in their sins is what we're doing when we're out there and there's no there's no cure to that other than the gospel right i mean that's why we're out there yes we're out there to save lives and to save babies but we can't forget that we're out there for lost sinners you know we're out there for the mother we're out there for the fathers we're out there for anybody who brought them we're out there for the employees of the abortion mill yes Um, yes yes that's a good point, by the way. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about the employees. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're out there for all of them, and you know, if we don't, if we're not bringing the gospel out there, we're we're bringing, you know, we're not bringing any hope for to combat the the real issue underlying why they're, you know, why they're there in the first place. You don't. You no longer have to carry it on your back, you know. But now, mm-hmm. what you got to do is obey Christ. And Christ said to go everywhere, you know, everywhere, including abortion clinics, and preach the gospel. And what these guys are telling us, these these, these pro-life um, movements that want to be without Christ or without the gospel, they're saying, well, don't evangelize here. Mm-hmm. Somehow reason with them, but don't 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 share the gospel here. And, and no, we'd rather obey Christ, you know. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Mm-hmm. Or Paul says that about... Basically, the Bible is our weapon. The Word of God is, is our weapon, right? Mm-hmm. It's our sword. It's important. And this is why I love Archibald Rush's men, because uh, you guys do emphasize the gospel and scripture. Uh, you're out there with the cone, and you're know, and you're sharing with them what the Bible mm-hmm. says. And, and, and I, I remember you have directed it at the um, employees, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is, I think is pretty cool. You know, it's, <laughs> it's amazing, because you're also giving them 
you're letting them know that what they're doing is wrong, but also you're giving them the gospel. So right. that's cool, man. And, you know, it's important for us to keep that focus on the gospel, too, because, you know, when we when we when we're out there, especially at the end of our time out there, we get together, you know, we do a prayer, you know, we leave that place with the gospel focus, understanding that, you know, we presented, we did as we were commanded by God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we shared the the good news of forgiveness of sins through Christ. And, you know, we lay, when we leave, we, we lay it at Christ's feet. That's what we do. Yeah. You know, we, um, we don't take the burden home with us and we don't take it home. And we say, man, you know, nobody turned away today. Mm-hmm. I didn't save any babies. Yeah. I didn't save anybody today. Um, you know, we don't leave with that. We leave joyous that the gospel was presented. We leave joyous that Christ, you know, in his, in his sovereignty, you know, you know, his, you know, his atonement and resurrection, you know, ascension, you know, his, his kingship and his reigning today, you know, that, that is, you know, our comfort in knowing that we can leave from that place, Yes. you know, knowing that his will will be done. You know, we don't carry, we don't have to carry that burden. We don't, we don't carry the burden of the other, of, of the people's sins with us, I guess. Yes. But that makes sense, right? Right, right? You know, you go into, um, uh, Ezekiel, right? It's Ezekiel. Anyways, we're mm-hmm. the, the watchmen, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, the discussion yeah, yeah. of the watchmen, oh, yeah. right? And, you know, what's presented there? Well, if you know what to give to somebody, right? A, a warning, basically, right? With yeah. the watchmen. You know to give the warning and you don't, then their blood is on your hands. Yes, yes. If you give the warning and they don't heed your warning, their blood is on their own hands. Yes, yes. We, we have an obligation to preach God's word and we, we also believe that he's sovereign. At the same time, that gives us comfort though. You know, that gives us comfort that it's not, it doesn't depend on us how well we do it. You know, uh, we're not, we, we all can't be Jeff Durbin, you know, and <laughs> or these other guys, you know, and, um, but we're just called to preach the gospel, preserve life, protect life, and that's it. You know, and and God does the work. So um, I, I want to jump quickly into these uh, these arguments. I picked some of the arguments that weren't too easy. You know, um, you know, for example, one that says like, "Oh, well, you're a man, so you, I, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna cover that." You know, yeah. when, when someone starts making those kind of arguments, it's becoming pretty obvious that they're that that they're not sure what to say. Now they can't answer our, our objections, so they're just gonna appeal to things that just don't really matter. Like one thing is like you know, well, you guys aren't biologists, you know. But in this case, right, in right. this case, we do have one. <laughs> so no. So anyways, man. Um. So I want to go over six pro-abortion arguments or reasons uh, mm-hmm. for for abortion, and we'll go through these. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna present these to you. You know, you have a lot more experience than I do in this. I'm gonna want the listeners to hear you out and see how you're able to answer these questions. First one is this, uh, that abortion is a vital aspect to women's health care or women's health. Yeah, so to start with this, so um, this is getting into the realm of using very um, like emotionally charged arguments and situations with these especially very rare situations, mm-hmm. right? And using these to as some type of an argument to justify abortion as a whole, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So health of the woman, right? That's extremely emotional, right? Yeah. Um, along the lines of when people even include discussions of like rape, right? right? Very emotional topics. So to start with that, um, you know, this is something that if you look at the statistics, is an extremely, extremely rare case, mm-hmm. you know, where a mother's life is necessarily threatened by 
you know, the child. In that case, um, you know, but but in the case of that, like, you know, the answer that biblically um, that we would have for that is that obviously we care about the mother's life, hmm. right? In, in any situation is that, you know, this isn't just a, um, it's only about the baby, not about the mother mm-hmm. or anything like that, right? right. <clears throat> but in, if when you talk about a situation like that, um, you know, the where we would where we would say society should lean on that is is in line with originally like basically what doctors would take as like well I say originally because it's changed over over time, but what the Hippocratic Oath originally was intended or you know stated was that a physician's care is for for all people, right? That's their that's the oath they take. So they care for all people <laughs> from the beginning from from conception. Like yes. that 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 type of language was originally in such an oath. So in the case where you have a pregnant mother with a with her life, you know, in jeopardy, you know, the doctor's obligation is to treat both. He has two patients to treat, right? Yes. Um and in that in that treatment it may be that you lose the life of the child, for instance. But the loss of child in the attempt to save both is not a favorable outcome, but it's not the intention of any act, right? So you don't make the... Your intentional act is not to kill one to save the other. Your intentional act is to save both. The consequence may happen to be that you lose the child, Mm -hmm. right, in the process. Um, I mean, that's... Completely different than what an abortion would be. Yeah, right? exactly, and an abortion exactly. is an intentional act to, to kill the child. Yes, yes. Um, and then um, the argument regarding back alley abortions, um, <clears throat> for the most part, that's like it's very empty type of rhetoric that gets thrown mm-hmm. out there. On one sense, because of you know actual history and statistics, don't back up what they're what they're trying to charge it and make that argument to be mm-hmm. they want to make it seem like we have a, more, a million abortions a year right now so you make abortion illegal now you have a million back alley abortions <laughs> right. well that doesn't follow it just doesn't, doesn't. Yeah. um and if you look at history you know historically it doesn't either yeah i heard that uh like they were trying to say that like thousands happen per year in america but really it was like like less than a hundred or something. Yeah, it was, a, it was a much smaller number than what was norm, uh, like originally like presented, like leading up to Roe. Um, and the people that presented those numbers, like some of them have, you know, they're by their own admission, you know, they say they inflated those numbers. Wow. You know, yeah. um, you know, there's, you know, they're just those numbers just aren't necessarily true. And it's not necessarily true that just because Roe was decided, you know, this the Roe decision, you know, and suppose that you know the legalization of abortion doesn't you know it didn't doesn't necessarily follow that illegal abortions mm-hmm. have necessarily declined i mean they still right. occur yeah, yeah you know if yeah. it's if it's completely illegal then why 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 still illegal abortions still happening right. Right, it just right. doesn't happen um you know what also is you know thrown into that is you know the fact that well you know the discussion of like laws right and lawmaking well why why make any law if it means that somebody just because somebody can go against that law hmm. right then you know that that's not our reason to not make that law right mm-hmm. we don't you know why let's legalize bank robberies because right, right. Yeah. Of the, because you know um 
if you make them illegal, people are still going to do them, and it's possible they're going to get hurt in the process. Right. You know what I mean? It just doesn't follow. It doesn't make any sense to go that way. Yeah. And, you know, um, I watched someone have a discussion on this once, and they brought up a good point to the person that they were talking to about it. They said, you know, they basically said, you know, you're, you think that you're the one standing up for women, but yet your argument saying that women are just going to turn to back alley abortions mm-hmm. is... So incredibly degrading to a woman. Right, right. Like you're basically saying, well, if you make a law against this, you know, women are the way he put it. You're you're saying women are so stupid and and sinful that they can't, they won't be able to help themselves, but yeah. you know, get themselves into these situations. Right. And that's ridiculous. Yes, yes. You know, you make a law against something like that, it's you know, you're gonna, you're the, the numbers are gonna decline. It's yes. just what it is. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good enough. <clears throat> now, uh, the second argument or reason. It's just saying that no one is legally obligated to sustain someone else's life. So, mm-hmm. so why is that being pushed on on women? Right now, the violinist argument. If, if, yeah. if you want to, if you want to do that, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go so it. it's an argument that's presented where you know, with a hypothetical situation where, basically, the story goes: you find yourself awake, waking up one day, <laughs> and you're in a bed, and you're back to back with a you know another person, <laughs> and you're connected to this person with tubes and wires and all these things and and you realize you know you you know that you're i mean you realize so you, you realize the situation and you find out that what has happened is um there's a society of you know music lovers right <laughs> and they've um they've got their favorite violinist this world-renowned violinist and this violinist has a kidney condition and they can't survive without you know without some type of procedure where they're connected mm-hmm. to somebody they happen to find out that you're the very only person in the world that matches this person in the perfect way or where you can sustain their life for, you know, so for so long, right? Hmm. The, the argument says, like, nine months. What if it's, you know, this long, you know, that it takes on these extra things? So the, um, the, the main problem with that argument is that it, you know, in no way parallels pregnancy, <laughs> right? So we got a few problems with it. First of all, you know, you... In that argument, someone finds them themselves in a situation where um, they had absolutely no control over right. being put in that situation. Well, pregnancy involves sexual intercourse, right? Majority of the time, a um, consensual yeah. sexual intercourse, right? We know what sexual intercourse does, right? Mm-hmm. It's a procreation. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's for procreation. Right, right, we understand right. that what can happen as a result of sexual intercourse is pregnancy. Yes, yes. So the, the argument just doesn't follow right, when it right. comes to that, right? Um, there's uh, um, the also the the part of the argument that talks about well, this person is a complete stranger in this argument, mm-hmm. right? Well, in the case of a mother and a child, you're not talking about complete strangers. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a human life that. Um, that is part of you. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, you you were you were part of you know creating that life. Um, that life has you know half of its genetic information is from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this isn't doesn't follow that you're dealing with a complete a complete stranger either. And then the other part being you know in this situation, you know our bodies, in particular in this situation, like our kidneys, our kidneys are not created and purposed for sustaining the life of another person right right right. they can be used for that absolutely you know i mean we have you know miracles that god has given in in his providence you know allowed for us to be able to 
um, do those types of things, but that is not the function of the human kidney right, in this right. situation, right? Whereas in the situation of a pregnancy, you know, everything is operating exactly the way that it's created and designed to be, right? Right. Sperm has met egg. You know, we have genetic material that's combined. We have a, a distinct human life. And it's this distinct human life is actually residing in the very place it's supposed to be residing. There's That's the function and the purpose of the uterus for the woman is for the receiving and for the sustaining of the life of mm -hmm. the child of, right. you know, in a pregnancy. Um, so those types of things just don't follow in that argument. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, saying that you're not legally obligated to sustain someone else's life is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You're, you're talking about a totally different situation, you know, yeah. where you're, you know, everything in, in the situation of pregnancy is operating the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And you're not dealing with a stranger, you're dealing with a child that is your child. You know, I mean, you, you did put the word legally in there. <laughs> it's a difficult one. I mean, right? I mean, that's yeah. a difficult one. I mean, when you talk about that, because, yeah, so our current law says, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, but when we talk about, you know, when we talk about real objective moral standards and moral law, you know, you are legally obligated yeah. to sustain someone's life if you are capable to. Right, right. Right? It's one of those more, like, more craftier type of arguments half truth, half lie type of thing. And mm -hmm. and then with some, uh, you know, very carefully thought out scenario, it's just crazy to me, like, like the length someone would go to just want to justify killing an unborn child, you know? And right. So the next one is this, the child will most likely have a poor quality of life. So, yeah. So, I mean, it could be poverty or health and deformities, uh, anything. The, the fact is that this child will have a poor quality of life. Therefore, it's better for, for it's better to abort this pregnancy. Right. Uh, yeah, so they somehow try to make abortion, um, and if they're a supporter of abortion, not only you know trying to make themselves of some type of protector, but now of some type of, I guess they try to make themselves heroic, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> They've uh, they're arguing for this idea of like, look at I've I've provided a mercy for this mm -hmm. this child, right? Like this child had a three and five chance of growing up in poverty, you know, yeah, yeah. having parents that didn't love it. And, you know, so, you know, therefore we, we save that child from what it could have been and what have could have gone through. And, mm. you know, by, so we murdered the child, right. Yeah. You know, we, what is a mercy kill? Right. I mean, that right. might be the way they, I mean, that's what they turn this type of argument into. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but so the, the way that this, basically plays out when we have these discussions um turns into i i don't remember like what it's called there's like a law of i don't know like but it but it's like a you know a law of possibility or mm -hmm. you know un, yeah. un, un, unsure and i don't remember how it's worded exactly right, right. Sproul goes into it he's better than i am at this, <laughs> obviously but um the discussion is like if you're not if there's some type of uh, even an inkling, right, of a of whether or not something is you know life or something detrimental to something, mm -hmm. you know, we don't err on the side of that which is most detrimental. You know, we don't yeah. we don't err on the side of the detrimental, right? <laughs> so um, I think the analogy that Sproul may have talked about, I don't remember, but is like 
if you're hunting and you're out hunting and you know you're out and you know there's other hunters in the area when you see the bush move in front of you you don't fire on the bush because of the possibility that it could be one of the other hunters right you know without having a clear vision of what it is that that you're doing in that instance you know you don't err on the side that is the careless side necessarily right or what is detriment what could be ultimately detrimental to another person right. <clears throat> when it comes to the to this issue I, you know it follows the same way you know and especially with this i mean who's to predict the quality of life that yeah. a child has right, right? right i mean even with a deformity you know in or some type of physical deformity or abnormality or something you know mm-hmm. i mean we all know children that have those things and people and grown adults that have those and live their whole lives with them yeah you know and i've never met somebody that said you know man it really sucks that i've lived like this my whole life and mm-hmm. you know i i really need to just <laughs> you know i I well, mean, if they really believed that, they wouldn't be standing there talking yeah, about it, right? I mean, I'm just saying. It's, it's, the thing about that too, man, <clears throat> I said I wouldn't say anything. I'm hearing I'm elaborating no, off. But um, Steve Hawking, he was the one that's on the, the chair and, you know, oh, he yeah, has yeah. the machine to talk yeah. from and stuff. Um, he literally, he said himself that he would like to be valued or in every, in every way that, a normal, that a normal person is valued. I chopped that up quite a bit, but it was along those lines that he just wants to be seen and accepted as a normal person would. They say, well, I'm sorry, Hawking, you should actually die. It's better for you to die because they have a quality of life. Right. You know, it's better for you to probably to not have lived at all because look, look how you are. Anyone who says that would be looked at like, wow, like you're crazy. You're a monster and you're crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. You're insane to tell him that. I mean, he's uh, clearly he, uh, I don't know too much about him, but from what I read a little bit, he's actually uh, pretty significant in the scientific community. You know, we love those type of stories where someone can pick themselves up mm-hmm. and become something, right? And they may have started out very poorly. Right. Right. Uh, here's, here's, here's another, uh, argu- it's not really an argument. Here, I'm just going to read it first and let's see what you say to it. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so imagine you're out there and someone tells you this, right? You don't abort a, ba- a human baby. You abort a pregnancy. A quote from Harvard says this, abortion is the removal of pregnancy tissue, products of conception or the fetus and placenta after birth from the uterus. In general, the term fetus and placenta are used after eight weeks of pregnancy. Uh, pregnancy, pregnancy tissue and products of conception refer to tissue produced by the union of, the, of an egg and sperm before eight weeks. Other terms for an abortion include elective abortion, induced abortion, termination of pregnancy, and, ther- and therapeutic abortion. And this is again from the health department of Harvard University. You know we have these signs out there that say you know abortion is murder. You know mm-hmm. babies are murdered here, and they respond with this. Abortion isn't about aborting of a human baby. It's about aborting a pregnancy. This is where um, there's some interesting history behind in this too. Um, the, our awesome, you know, so progressive postmodern world we live in, you know, it's where we're just advancing, you know, in all these ways, you know, for some reason, first in this area, and you know, this is even a Harvard, you know, from Harvard, you know, we see we've. We're going backwards in this. I mean, these these uh, definitions that you're finding in here, you know, calling it, um, you know, a, a child pregnancy tissue. Yeah, products of conception. And products of conception <laughs> is just like, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, you go back. When I was in school, we didn't, we weren't presented with these terms. Right. You know, we knew what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back. I mean, we're, we're going backwards in this. Um, an interesting thing is, is there's, 
you can find uh, like Planned Parenthood like brochures from like 50s, 60s, something like that, where they discuss abortion in there, and that those brochures actually describe abortion as the killing of a baby. Those 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 words are used yeah. that a baby is killed. Yeah, you know, and in you know, in order to protect that killing of a baby, you know, they change these terms. It's just they're just changing terms. That's mm. all they're doing. It's still the same thing, right? right. We know that. You know, it's it's interesting when you go and you talk to people and, and you see in the in the fight, you know, why that these people think that using terms like fetus or zygote, yeah. you know, that these terms somehow dehumanize the child, yeah. right? Um, that's why I when I go out there, I I don't have a problem. I'll talk with someone you know about it i don't mind i don't mind using a term like fetus yeah, i don't mind yeah. using a term zygote those are all those are all human stages of life yeah. <laughs> it's what they are it doesn't yeah. doesn't bother me one bit it doesn't take the humanity away yes you know exactly. if it wasn't a human being mm. then you couldn't use the term fetus right <laughs> because it wouldn't make sense yeah yeah right yeah. it's just interesting man because like i see it more of a it, probably out of all the arguments here i see this one more as a um, not really a gotcha type of question but or a type of a argument or reason but just trying to prove that you don't know what you're talking about, you know, by using abortion. You know, for example, we say, you know, baby in the womb. Mm-hmm. Like technically, you know, baby is when it's finally born. Right, right. Right. And, and they'll try to correct you on that, you know, and, and or, or using abortion, you know, like don't abort right. your baby. Like, and then they want to say, no, well, I'm not going to abort my, my baby. I'm going to abort the pregnancy. Right. You know, and see these type of reason, these type of reasons or arguments to be somewhat disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's true what they're saying. Like, technically, there is true. You right, know? right. But at the same time, though, it's it's like, okay, like, is that really a reason for your abortion? You know, talk to us about the real issue here. You know, is that right. a human life? Which brings us to our next, our fifth argument. Um, it's not a person. It's only a clump of cells. You know, mm-hmm. it's not self-aware. Early on in, in development, it doesn't experience pain. Well, um, <laughs> so this is where, um, you know, I, I like to get into using, you know, what I, my biology background do, mm. you know. Um I mean, first of all, it's not just it. Okay, first of all, we're all clumps of cells. Yeah, you're okay. a clump of cell too. You're a clump of cells that are true. So, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing false about the fact that right, right. I'm made up of cells. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Okay. Um, but that doesn't. But but obviously, what this is getting at is taking away the humanity yes right you know somehow if you just use it's only a clump of cells you've taken away the humanity of it well the only reason you're going to go towards that is because that you know that justifies you know marginalizing and killing this this person yeah right if you can dehumanize them right right. what it comes down to um you know you uh so the fetus is you know the you know things like the fetus is not self-aware well you know, that's, that's, that's some, that's a, a, a subjective determination of what makes a human life. You know, right, right. where, where does self-awareness determine right. human life? Right, right. I mean, we're not, I mean, I don't, I can't think of an instance, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, does, um, you know, someone under anesthesia, yeah. are they no longer a human being because right. they're, they're not aware, right. you know, they're, they're not self-aware and they're the state of anesthesia, right? Yes, exactly. You know, it's not. It does not follow that we're then, you know, morally allowed to yeah. kill that person. That's good. Um, 
pain another subjective right. you know determination of what makes a human being a human being same thing yeah. i mean <laughs> go back to anesthesia yeah. Yeah. but um you know these are all subjective these all become subjective um markers of what human life is right, right. you know all in the all in the case to dehumanize because the understanding is that it is a human being i mean yeah. you know what i mean um so how do you dehumanize that person? You have to come up with a marker to dehumanize them. Just like you do, just like happens in like, um, you know, we'll go back, you know, American slave trade. You know, those people, the, you know, the, the African slaves that they're bringing over had to be dehumanized somehow. Yes. Right? right. So it became like, well, they're savages. They're, mm -hmm. you know, whatever different things. Right. Um, you go farther in, you know, we get into like, you know, later on in this country and you have like, you know, when you're talking about civil rights and stuff. And there's always a dehumanize uh, another way to dehumanize someone in some way, whether it's been skin color, or you know, or sex, right? right. Um, any way that that somebody can subjectively come up with a marker to dehumanize someone. So I mean, honestly, the answer to that is that you know we can't go off these these subjective things when there's there's an objective, mm -hmm. actual truth to yes. what makes a makes a person a person. Now. And those are, those are, you know, we have a few different things. We have biblically objective, right. you know, when a person's a person, right? We have, um, you know, we have things such like, you know, in the Psalms, you know, where we, where we talk, where, where, um, you know, we're told in the word of God that, you know, that we're formed in the womb, mm -hmm. you know, we're told like in Jeremiah that, you know, God knew him before he was formed in the womb, right? right those right. things we have, um, even things such as in, um, you know, Mosaic law, right? Where the unborn are protected. They're yeah. actually given, you know, right? Um, they're actually given the uh, same protection as an adult human, mm -hmm. right? Nice. Where What's the discussion, you know, that in, um, you know, quite a few people hit on this and what they've written, but, and that's the discussion where you have the instance where you have the woman, you know, who gets mm -hmm. inintention, unintentional, unintentionally injured mm -hmm. and when two men are fighting right? Mm -hmm. right, right you have the woman that gets injured right and um yeah. particularly a pregnant woman right and if so if she gets injured but there's no harm mm -hmm. you know to to uh, her or the child basically mm -hmm. right it's um <laughs> you know there's basically like you have your recompense for harming her but yeah. you know that's it but then it goes on and it says but then if you if you injure her and that injury causes the death of that child yeah. You know, then it then then the punishment is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life yeah. for life. Right. You know what I mean? So even in even in the law, you know, or the you know mosaic biblical law, you know, we're presented with the fact that, you know, yes. biblically, yes, you know, we have an objective determination right. of of a person, um, and then biologically, you know, probably, I mean, look, science is one hundred percent on the pro life side. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no denying it, and that's what I'm talking about. This all this stuff blows me away as how backwards they start going yeah. right there's you want you want a a very clear line drawn when life begins then it's at conception there's yeah. no other point that you can pick scientifically right. that's going to delineate it that way at the point of conception when you have that when you have that very first cell of that individual human being you have a cell that is living right you have a cell that's 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 performing the actions of life right. what, what's defined i mean you look up in any biology textbook what you find defined as life you know yeah. it matches that 
Wow. Not only that, you have an individual that's different from the mother and the father completely. Right. I mean, it shares some traits, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that individual does not per- like completely match the father. The individual does not completely match the mother right. genetically. That individual is completely different. Um, you know, I could totally nerd out right now and <laughs> go into the you know meiosis and mitosis and how you know gametes or you know carry genetic material and all that. But yeah. it's so clear, like these types of things, you know, they they can be boggling, but you know, you start, but what it, what it comes down to, you bring up the subjectivity of it again, you know, and, um, you know, usually when you're able to present the information, you know, it shuts down that argument. Yeah. You know, a lot of these are arguments that, that it's funny you bring up, I mean, you know, you bring up all these arguments and um, you almost look at these as like, I mean, we can almost see them as like, oh, well, this, when I encountered this person, they said this argument, mm-hmm, I encountered mm-hmm. that person that, you know, so often you'll go, you'll, you'll encounter someone and you'll get all of these arguments. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. as you defeat one, they switch to the other. Right. Right. You know, they, they grasp onto anything that they have. That's what I was going to tell you that right now is that, um, first three arguments, uh, those were, were mainly like emotional charged arguments. They want to appeal to the child's quality of life, you know, but towards, once you start answering those objections and they have nothing left, it, it seems like the arguments get darker and darker and darker. Mm-hmm. Your heart, the heart hardens and, They'll say things like, you know, it's, you don't abort the human baby, you abort pregnancy, or it's not a person, it's a clump of cells. Then you can finally get down to, which is our last argument, it's my body, my choice. We will dedicate more time right now to bodily autonomy. Um, how do you how do you briefly answer something like that? When someone says, my body, my choice, do you, do you ever think of something to say right away that kind of just uh, refutes that, that slogan? or What happens a lot, this is, this is one of those instances where we... So that was part two of our discussion. I hope that that was helpful to you. Once again, I want to remind you to please follow Arc Civil Rushes on Facebook. And if you have any questions for Nick, you can always email them at arccivilrushes at gmail.com. Also, if you find that this ministry is helpful and edifying to, uh, for Christians, then please consider being a monthly contributor uh, on our Patreon account, which can be found at www.patreon.com slash saintsedified If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a 5-star rating on iTunes or any other podcast platform. And also, uh, go ahead and share the link to friends and family. Okay, friends. Well, hopefully you have a good one. Until next time. Sola Dea Gloria.